blood drops on pavement and boxes to open. Powdery white skin and pins everywhere. These are a few of my favorite wear. <laughs> Singing about Hellraiser is hard to do, but this much is true. We have such wondrous sights and sounds to show you. <laughs> Music. <laughs> Welcome to the New World Pictures Podcast. We're going to talk about every movie released by New World Pictures, particularly movies from 1988 this month. (laughs) (laughs) With with me, as always, is Mark. I I mean, I feel like this podcast should just be called the Hellraiser Podcast because we get to talk about Hellraiser a lot. (laughs) A lot. That's right. Take advantage. Milk it. Just like the Hellraiser franchise has. And Erica. Just call me Kirsty. Kirsty. Christy? 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 Christy. <laughs> I remember Thirsty for Kirsty. When I read a book to uh, our oldest when she was smaller, and uh, there was a girl in it named Kirsty, and she wouldn't read it that way. She'd read Christy. And I said, Her name is Kirsty. She said, That's not a name. <laughs> <laughs> now I think of that every time I watch Hellraiser. Because, of course. <laughs> And Hellraiser is important for December because it is the reason for this particular themed month season. <laughs> because as we'll just we'll discuss many times in this episode, uh, Hellbound Hellraiser 2 was the Christmas movie for New World Pictures in 1988. This is what they released right before Christmas. Makes sense. So with, uh, without further ado, let's get started talking about 1988's Hellbound Hellraiser 2. The vision is renewed. The power is reawakened. The fear is reborn. Because they have returned. Time to play. Hellbound. Hellraiser 2. Brace yourself for terror you have never imagined. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. And horrors you can never escape. And you wanted to know. Now you know. Last year, they brought hell to earth. Now, they'll take you 
two. Time to play. That's right. Hellbound Hellraiser 2. Brought to you by Door Locks. <laughs> Have you had a bloody, dirty mattress taken out of your evidence locker? Or... Have you had a work colleague easily break into your home and personal office filled with disturbing items, including that stolen bloody mattress? Invest in door locks. With door locks, you can keep prying eyes away from your evidence of condemning items. Save your career with door locks. (laughs) Now, is that L-O-C-K-S locks door locks? Just want to make sure. I don't want to make the same mistakes. It's L O C H S. Door locks. Yep, exactly. It. It's a brand. That's right. You have to go to a body of water and then pull them out. <laughs> They're a little rusty, <laughs> but believe me, they'll work. Makes sense. Uh, they um, are lubricated. This movie was directed by former New World editor and executive Tony Randall in his directorial debut. Clyde Barker was unable to direct the sequel because he was working on his third novel. Next in line for the director's chair was actually Michael McDowell, uh, who was going to write and direct the movie, but he was too busy with rewrites on Beetlejuice as well as some health issues. So Randall, the former head of post-production and vice president of production who oversaw the original film, he stepped up from the job. Uh, Barker gave his blessing and even says in the... I have a press release, guys. I have a oh. press release, an Whoa, original wait. press release. This this just came out. There, see, this <laughs> yeah, is no. the lasting value. No, the lasting value of Hellraiser. They're still releasing mm. ch- press releases. That's about right. Hellraiser. They're still trying to get everybody into it. it uh, smells mm-hmm. really interesting. Come here, put it over here. It's musty, which it's makes musty. sense. It's definitely musty. It's old, it's been but also it's been sitting in somebody's closet for decades. Let's say. Yeah, she's hmm. giving another little sniff. I don't know. There's something about it. Something <laughs> I can't. Scared. I can't get enough. I got to keep going. Something keep about going it. back for more. That's the sign of a good press release. That's right. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. That's when you know you got a quality one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good press releases always have an interesting smell profile, nasal <laughs> profile. They keep mm-hmm. you coming nasal back. Profile. I got to yeah. read that again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to. Oh. Let, I, Let's, uh, let's I gotta go to whiff. I gotta go to Macy's and go get the ooh depressed release. <laughs> I have tremendous respect for his instincts on the way Hellraiser was cut. Enthuses Barker. Tony has immense editorial skill and a wonderful grasp of the horror genre. When producer Christopher Fig and I started looking for a director for the sequel, we needed someone who would show great passion for the material, and we agreed that Tony was the ideal choice. Now. A, a difficult thing for Tony was at the time he had just signed an 18 month contract with New World. So he had to go quit his job and then go to his bosses, president of production, Steve White and Robert Remy, and ask if they would uh, give him their blessing to direct the sequel, which they did. And uh, in December 1988, Randall told the San Francisco Examiner that he said, quote, I had to try for the job. I knew it was risky because if I had failed, I would have found it impossible to go back to being an executive. I knew I'd be working in a supermarket checkout stand if I blew it. That that seems like a little bit of hyperbole, I right? Think he's, he's being you, a little cheeky. He's being a little funny. Okay. Just, I, just, yeah. I just want to make that clear. I, I don't yeah. think that Tony Randall had any risk of no. going to work at a checkout line after being an executive at a movie studio. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. But, I just think he thought, you know, hey, the pressure was on. Sure. Uh, according to a 1988 issue of Cinefantastique, 
Randall's nickname on set was More Blood. Um, perhaps oh. after a special effects artist had told Randall that they had 24 five-gallon buckets of fake blood, and he asked for more. Uh, so that's perhaps I, that, that's how he... smart. That is smart. And this movie definitely makes use of uh, a lot of that blood. So Now, Barker could not direct. He did executive produce. He was on set for a good majority of the filming. He also did not write the script. He came up with the story, apparently due to promotional commitments to the original is what I read. But in his place was a longtime friend, Peter Atkins, who had been the same theater company, dog company, back in Liverpool. Mm -hmm. Barker had read, read some of his short stories and thought he was up for the job. Apparently a good instinct, uh, as Atkins would go on to write the next two Hellraiser films. Well, Barker was also busy masterminding his great cinematic triumph, Nightbreed. Yes, there's a lot of fans, Mark, of Nightbreed. I know you and I, mm. not so much. But Erica I, and, and loves I, it. I can't, really? she won't shut up about it. Which one's Nightbreed? <laughs> Do you have a press release from the Nightbreed release that you can read? Hold on. <laughs> Let me find it. Sniff it out. Sniff it out. Sniff it out. But I'm going to say, if I could travel back in time and stare up at the AMC 6 marquee and had to choose between Hellbound Hellraiser 2 or Scrooged, I'm definitely picking Hellbound Hellraiser 2. Wow. Well, really? you did. You did back in the day. Didn't you see it in the theater? I did. I did yeah. see it in the theater. And listeners know, we've talked a lot about Hellraiser. This is my favorite Hellraiser I loved it in the theaters. I rented it several times when it was on video. I just watched it again, and I still love it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I I understand it has its flaws. I get that. But at the time, no movie in it, that I had seen, horror movies in particular I'm talking about, had been as ambitious as this. Mm -hmm. of building a whole world of going into like this mythology that don't they that they don't really explain but I think that's to their benefit. We don't need to know why everything is the way it is. You're just kind of thrust into it. And it also does one of the things that I love that very few sequels do. And that is it picks up right after the first one. Sure. So many sequels pick up like a year later or they're just some other time that you're reintroduced to the characters. This is like Halloween 2, another one that I love that it just Right. Just picks you're up right there. the same you night. Just picked up. Yeah. This the same more night. Uh, more of the night he came home. That's what and and uh and I'm sorry, it's still canon as far as I'm concerned <laughs> Halloween 2. Um starring in this movie, Ashley Lawrence makes a return. Uh, as Kirsty, the best final girl this franchise ever created outside of <laughs> Carrie were. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> Deader. <laughs> Honestly, I can't remember if I like that one or not. It's such a blur. <laughs> it is a blur. After the fourth one, they're just, they all seem to mesh together. They, like they're yeah. all another pin in the head. I just yep. don't. Oh, I couldn't boy. pick one pin over another. Yeah, it's like, oh, which assholes found the box this time around? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> which asshole in a plot that otherwise doesn't 
even correspond to any of the story of Hellraiser. Right. Found the box. And it's now interesting how much Pinhead. they have just how much how much the second half of the franchise decided to just forget the first half. And that's and I'm saying half is pro- is probably not accurate math. It's really the first. I think that's being generous. The first two parts of three and four, and like they just forgot all of it and just said, "Nah, we'll, we'll go in our own direction." So then, would Tiffany be the only person who's not an asshole to deal with the box? Then yes, yeah. Would she? Are be you the only saying that Christy Kirsty is an asshole? Yeah. Well, she doesn't deal with the box in this one, though. She really, deal with the she, box, she, but she's also kind of an asshole. <laughs> Okay. Ah, she's like, ah, to find my dad. Like, ugh, we get it. She's probably so, like, ugh, on parties, you're just like, yeah, we know. You're trying to save your dad from hell. Who invited her? <laughs> she talks about is this quest to save her God. dad from hell. Jeez, us, we get it. Ugh. God. Uh, she's one of the worst people I've ever met here in America, England. <laughs> <laughs> Did she even bring anything to share? Probably not, because her dad's trapped in hell. I thought her visa expired. Wasn't she supposed to leave a while ago? I don't know. Where is she supposed to go from America, England? Just saying, it's a potluck. You know what I mean? If your dad's in hell or not, just bring some fucking chip and dips. (laughs) Come on, man. We're all the rest of us are hungry. Yeah. She always shows up with the plates and the silver and the and the flatware. She's like, I yeah. brought plates. I figured you guys had enough food. Like, Kirsty. She's like, oh, I'm Damn sorry. It. I would have grabbed some food, but uh, I was escaping from the mental hospital and they took all my clothes and I just had to like find some clothes somewhere and I couldn't find any. I didn't have any money to get. To, like, please stop with your excuses. Boy, it's always yeah, something, where, isn't wait, it, Kirsty? Where's Kirsty? I don't see her. Uh, she's got to go through each room and check every mattress before she feels comfortable. <laughs> This is dumb Ugh. thing she's got to do every fucking time. Just is it, is it this it. one? Is let it this one? Let her have it. Let her have oh it. Oh, my gosh. Also returning is Claire Higgins as Julia Cotton. She was Barker's choice to take over the franchise. She was going to be the lead person. However, the audience had a say in it and <laughs> the popularity of Pinhead. And Higgins is, had a say as well. Higgins had a, uh, had a say in that she did not want to become Clive Barker's Freddy Krueger and was like, I think I'm good after number two. Thank you very much. I'm going to head back to the theater where she did most of her work primarily, though she has popped up in a, some uh, small roles in film and television, including she was in Ready Player One and she was in the Sandman series. It was on Netflix. So she's still popping up in TV shows and films, but um, has primarily concentrated on on a renowned theater actress. But it's too bad. I think she is fantastic in these two movies. I think she's even better in this one. I think so, too. She kind of really assumes the evil, you know, evil queen She's way scarier in this one than she is in the first one. But she's not, you know, admittedly, she says she's not a horror fan. She didn't like seeing the she didn't really even watch much of the first one. And I think she only really enjoyed the first one or wanted to do the first one because of Clyde Barker. And I'm not sure if even if this this franchise had gone in a different direction, I'm not sure if Clyde would have been directing many more of them because he was Mm -hmm. trying to really, I think, at this point, try to expand well he's trying to expand the amount of books that were being turned into movies of his own stuff right and yes part of that was nightbreed but entering this franchise for his one and done his uh 
Kenneth Cranham, who plays Dr. Chenard, um, Dr. who Chenard. again was another theater actor and you know he knew Claire Higgins as well. And he had was up for a role in a Shakespeare play and was like, eh, it's either that or go do Hellraiser 2. And he actually says that he's very happy that he did Hellraiser 2. Because he said nobody would have remembered that production that I would have been in, but everybody remembers right. Hellraiser too. So, but uh, and weirdly to me, they don't ever use like his character never comes back. I guess he kind of dies, but like that's not technically a problem. I mean, technically Pinhead kind of dies, and all the other Cenobites, yeah, right? So, like <clears throat> they all die, but Pinhead has no problem coming back. I mean, spoiler, but. <laughs> They do die right. at the end of this. Yeah. Yo, oh, oh, I'm so sorry for that person who was like, whoa, dude. Oh, oh fuck. Thanks a lot. Oh, great. I was wanting to listen to this podcast release. about this movie, and I was hoping I wouldn't get any spoilers. I was working my mic backwards from 10 to 1. Thanks oh, a lot. What a, oh, God. Can you imagine? When would oh, you cut boy. bait if you would start from the end and go to the beginning? Oh, man. You would not cut bait on Hellworld if you know what's good. If you made it that far, you'd have to make it to it. Well, at this point, though, that's a good question because we did our ranking of Hellraiser. Go back into our episodes. You can find us. Uh, we ranked the entire franchise. But that was before they put out the recent remake. So now right. you start with that one and yeah. then go to like Hellraiser Judgment. And so yeah, on. why not? Yeah. Move, yeah. move so back So you actually down. might be somewhat, that actually might keep you interested. Mark, have you seen the remake yet? I have not. I didn't. I didn't get to check it out. So, oh, oh such a fan, such a fan. fan. He says he loves Hellraiser. <laughs> Hasn't seen the newest one. Okay, all right. I had to watch Passing Apprentice to Murder instead. God, <laughs> <laughs> it's either the new Hellraiser or Apprentice to Murder. Well, got a podcast. I got. Well, I had an obligation. I had an obligation to with Apprentice to Murder. So. I had to pick one, and that's the one I How, picked. Wow, you watched Apprentice <laughs> to Murder. <laughs> Pow, yeah. Wow, what a film. <laughs> Critics say pow, wow, to, to Apprentice to Murder. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so. Uh, we're the critics, guys. We're, we're the, the critics. critics. Uh, we got to find out what this movie's about. Let's go around and find out what Hellbound Hellraiser 2 is about. Mark, let's start with you. It is really important and also incredibly difficult to find the right mattress. The one that blends style, mm. support, mm -hmm. and comfort. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to overlook some things. Many times it's price. Mattresses are expensive. And to find the right one, you're probably going to need to pay more than what you originally anticipated. Mm -hmm. Other times, you have to overlook a giant blood stain that's covering pretty much the entire mattress. Yep. But here's what's important. Mm. We all pay a price to get a good night's sleep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's laying in an old blood stain <laughs> and some chains. Hey, but if you find a nice... But if it has that perfect back support? Tempur-Pedic covered in blood... Mm. But it just mm -hmm. feels right. Mm -hmm. You can't walk away from that. You're going to mm -hmm. move it from house to apartment to office back to apartment. It's just the mattress that was made for you. Yeah. And yeah. yes, it will start to smell bad after a while. <laughs> but you'll there get is over a smell. That. There is a smell That's attached. What, 
Yeah. Just spray it down with some Lysol and you'll Mm -hmm. be good. And and keep spraying it because it won't feed it, but Mm -hmm. it will help. It will help. It will keep the scent at bay for For a little while. For a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you might be able to fall asleep with the scent of death resting in your nose. Erica, what is this movie about? This movie's about finding yourself and being comfortable in your own skin. And if you're not comfortable in your own skin, then just grab somebody else's skin <laughs> and slip it on and find yourself and be comfortable in their skin. Right. True. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, yeah. That, that is what this movie's about. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ryan? Yeah. You know, for me, I think I felt like watching it this time, I mean, obviously, I often think that this movie is about sometimes the, the most evil puzzle is the easiest puzzle. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, watching it this time, I thought, you know, sometimes in pursuit of your goals, damn your white carpet, mm. you know, I mean, yes. you know, yeah. yep. sacrifices must be made mm-hmm. to get to your goal. Yeah. yeah. You can't put your goals aside to worry about like fashion or, right. or, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. This you know, skinless friend of yours is is going to help you get to uh, achieve your goal. And, you know, you give her some pajamas, but you don't give her any slippers mm-hmm. because or she ignores the slippers you give her because you try to get yeah. her to get some footwear, but she ignored it. Hey, oh, well, we'll have to replace that carpet. No big deal. We'll do it as long I as I get Ryan, that trip to hell. I, I think I think he was smart enough to scotch guard that carpet before. She walked on it. That's so he was like, true. this is easy yeah. cleanup. That's true. Uh, That's true. So I think the he was thing okay. That was, I'm not the improvement in paint for that mm-hmm. bloody hand stain. Mm-hmm. You could really get that off a lot easier now. At the time, mm-hmm. you know, painting that Nowadays, room. Nowadays, you just grab that Mr. Clean Magic Eraser and go after it, and that right. thing's you gone. Could, well, yeah. Modern conveniences. I mean, we've really come yeah. a long way. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there needs to be a new Hellraiser movie that talks right. about how practical having somebody just trying to clean up now. after the skinless person. Like, God damn it! They sit down on the couch. Go, um, nah, okay, well, all right. But they've already wrapped the, the plastic new, and but. they put plastic on the couch because they knew this was going to happen. This right. was inevitable. The modern Hellraiser movie is going to take place in Florida, and then just. <laughs> All the all all the uh, furniture retirement community wrapped in plastic. (laughs) Right. Well, let's go to the letterbox synopsis. Uh, Here's what Letterbox said about Hellbound, and we're on Letterbox, so give us a follow if you can. Doctor Chenard, they're starting there, huh? Okay. 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 All righty. I mean, we saw the first one. I don't remember him from the first one. Anyway. Dr. Chenard has sent a new patient. Oh, well, I guess, in a way. Yeah, hmm. I, I don't yeah. know. Maybe. What, a, what an angle to take. This is so far. What an angle. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think she had a PPO, and so she was able to pick any doctor, and he was, <laughs> that's how she got to Dr. Chenard? <laughs> a, a, a new patient, a girl warning of the terrible creatures that have destroyed her family, c- Cenobites, who offer the most intense sensations of pleasure and pain. Uh, okay. I mean, eventually she does tell Dr. Chenard the whole story. Um, I'm not sure there's like a big, you know, meet and greet where he's like, hello, my new patient. Oh, exciting. 
Um, what brings you in today? Right. <laughs> we missed the part where she had to step on up on the scale and they had to check right. her height. Right, right. Yep. Can yep. you can you fill out your address and everything? You don't know where you're living right. because your dad just right. died in that house? Right. I mean, okay. You're not sure. Well, this we'll just make a, that your residence for now. Are you gonna are you gonna pay the thirty dollars now or should we bill you for that later? Like we did they didn't I wish they had spent more time on the administrative side of Dr. Chenard's office. Certain, certain it's uh it's in the deleted scene somewhere. <laughs> that's the picture that's on the back of the box. Right. The back of the box. The, the infamous picture a, of him in the uh, doctor's outfit. Yeah. That was just him take. He was doing him just coming in. Intake. Right. <laughs> I've come to settle my bill. <laughs> I've come to check your emergency contacts, Kirsty. <laughs> now I'll collect your copay. Ta- it's time to pay. <laughs> oh. oh boy! All right. <laughs> Now that's a good plot for another Hellraiser Hellraiser sequel. <laughs> there we right. go. There you go. Hellraiser twelve. Well, they started to get into that into Hellraiser Judgment when we were like in Hell Incorporated. There's yeah, a lot of that true. kind of that's stuff when they were dealing with it. I should have ranked that one higher. It right. seems I love the administrative piece. Of well, Hellraiser. we love the administrative idea of that movie, but unfortunately, we have to watch the rest of that movie, which is you know yeah. got its problems. Uh, okay, back to the synopsis. But Chenard has been searching for the doorway to hell for years, secretly. That's not in the synopsis. That's me editorializing. That's what they should say. <laughs> Don't worry, Ryan. When I get a job there, this uh, is Thank you. Yes, you got to get that job there. And Kirsty must follow him to save her father and witness the power struggles among the newly damned. She's definitely following into hell. I don't think she follows Chenard exactly. She's just tr- trying to get her own path. He's there. I feel like their cro- their paths barely cross in this movie. Am I wrong? Uh, I mean, I think she runs into Julia a lot more. Yeah, Julia is the issue. Yeah. They really are like yeah. somebody wrote this synopsis who was like, you know, who was fucking great in that movie? Fucking Doctor Gennard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we had a real Gennard stand who wrote this synopsis. Is mm-hmm. like, I'm going to make this all about Gennard because it's it's he's in the movie a lot. He's great, but. I mean, I I don't know if I didn't realize he was the I, central character. She he's, barely he's, he's, gets to play with his penis hands. <laughs> right. Please, it's penitence. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're pronouncing it wrong. It's penitence. I always screw that up. It's Kirsty, right. Christy, penitence, penis hands. I'm always. You know, there's, they're in England. Uh, it's penitence. Well, they're in, they're they're in America, England. America, and England. Some of the pronunciations are American, and some of them are English. So, yeah. sure. So to talk about what this movie is about, according to Barker, here's something from the press release. Ooh, mm. I can smell it coming. You can, you can, you can definitely smell this press release. Man, <laughs> oof. Uh, here's what he said. Hell, Hellbound Hellraiser 2 is an extension of Hellraiser, says Barker. Really? That's oh, I didn't I didn't pick that up at all. <laughs> Why didn't he just say Hellbound Hellraiser 2 is a sequel <laughs> to the original <laughs> Hellraiser? Thank you. I'm thank you everyone. Wait, no 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 no, Mr. Barker. Ah. Well, that's the quote we got to go with. That's all he gave us. <laughs> He's a genius oh, writer. Shit. We just got to write. We got to go with it. We picked up thematically and structurally from the first film, which they did. If Hellraiser is about a hedonist achieving what he desired and finding out that it wasn't what he wanted, then the sequel is about a voyeur who was also disappointed when he achieves what he thinks he wanted. 
Wait, what? Okay. <laughs> I feel like well, I need you to read that again. <laughs> well, Hellraiser it went is, over my head. <laughs> is oh. about a hedonist that he's talking about, Frank, who oh, uh, achieving okay. what he desired, he opened the box, mm-hmm. but then he find out, okay, this is what he wanted. He didn't want his, you know, body, like, you know, all the hooks and stuff mm-hmm. in him and tearing his body apart. Is there anybody that does want that, I wonder? Is no. anybody like, hook, hook, and they're like, yes! Right. Yes! Woo! Hellraiser is essentially uh, a story told again and again of somebody who was like, like meeting when they meet a genie and they make a wish and then the wish isn't exactly what they wanted. Like I want to be really rich and then you're rich, but also like your whole life has fallen apart and everything sucks. Yeah. And you're like, Oh fuck. Like that's essentially what, you know, Hellraiser is again and again. And then he says, okay, it's equal about a voyeur. Okay. And that, I think he's talking about Chenard because Chenard oh. is the one trying to find things out and he's filled his office with all these, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. many of the, the boxes and all the, the lore and everything of this world. And he yeah. wants to see what's on the other a total fanboy. He is. He's a total. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a, he's a nerd. Ball. Like imagine having to go find all those glass cases for his little, uh, lament configurations collection that he can't show anyone. Cause they're like, what is this? Like, well, don't worry about it. Oh shit. I got to kill you. You can't, I can't have you tell everybody about these gates to hell that I'm hoping to open. Yeah. He's at Michael's again for like the third time <laughs> that week. And they're like, Boy, oh boy, oh, Dr. Chenard, another glass box. And he's just like, <laughs> just love baseball. Like, what does he say for his excuse? What is his excuse at Michael's? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> he's, I don't know. He's, he's sitting in his car with his base co- baseball facts flashcards trying to remember something. So that when they're like, which ball did you get this year? Th- today? Uh, um, uh, it's a uh, uh, well, I thought Stiss I would uh, baseball. I would. I have a baseball from Baby Ruth that I wanted to put on the glass. No, Babe Ruth? Ah, yes. Yes, of course, young man. Very well done. Baby Ruth. I know a lot about American baseball. Oh, my gosh. Oh, but what is charming about this movie when you rewatch it and stuff that I've forgotten, part of rewatching this one is like we have watched this one a lot. Yeah. But it's interesting that I rewatched it this time and there's still some things that I was like, oh, right. Oh, yeah. There's such a large amount. In fact, the movie starts with a reel of footage from the first film, which actually was cut Mm -hmm. by Tony Randall. Kind of brings you up. It's kind of got like a Silent Night, Deadly Night two vibe because there's a lot yeah, of footage from the original, <laughs> the original movie. Where we're like, wow, we're getting like we get Hellraiser two, but we also get lots of Hellraiser as well. We get mm-hmm. kind of both in this movie. There's actually two flashbacks because then you get the kind of the Kirsty's flashback, right? But it makes sense that you get the flash. I mean, the the flashback doesn't feel really necessary if you've if you're watching the sequel. Chances are you saw the original, so sure, it shouldn't come sure. as any surprise. I mean, but I, I love important. that they're like, just in case that one person was like, I don't know, I heard a lot about that first one, but I never saw it. So <laughs> let's just start with two. <laughs> right, right. And Scrooge was sold out that night. So right. that's so what like, you ah, went to well. see. Well, but here's another here's another Christmas movie about miracles. Oh. and <laughs> <laughs> Right. Learning about oneself. <laughs> but I think it's actually important that they do the flashbacks because otherwise... 
Pinhead and the Cenobites don't show up until 52 minutes into this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. That is a pat that is that is the pattern that they do use in the sequels. <laughs> That's something right. they do use later on. They're like, no, 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 you gotta wait. You gotta wait on Pinhead. You gotta keep the audience. Yeah, you got, it's gonna gotta take your time. Yeah. And I mean that as no slight on the movie because I thoroughly enjoy that first 52 minutes. hundred percent. Even though there's no pinhead in it. Right. It's because it, right. it's it's working its way, taking its time. Julia, like I said, is so much she's so much more menacing, but also more subtle about it this time. Mm-hmm. That, and it makes it so much more fascinating to watch. And also how happy was Doug Bradley to have some days on set without having to have that five hours in the makeup chair. Oh, he must one. have been stoked. Yeah. Of course, I heard then he, he hated had to... it and he was like, ugh. <laughs> wish I was getting my pinhead makeup on. <laughs> they comb my hair in like 10 seconds. <laughs> and then I just been waiting ever since. <laughs> I have to keep getting repowdered because it's hot today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm working out how much money I have left in this year's health savings plan. So that's important mm-hmm. that I spend my time <laughs> wisely and work out, you know, how many more doctor visits should I take this year in order to maximize <laughs> that savings? I've been put, having right. pulled out of my paycheck every week. So got to use it use it or lose it everybody doctor i'm not quite 50 but should i have a physical <laughs> i think so pinhead you should I think have been so. having phys- physicals for years yeah. pinhead. I mean, is I this your still first important. physical i didn't think it was necessary oh, pin we have so much to review have you had your blood work done i take your blood no no i take your blood that's how it works we're a hospital pinhead pin can i call you pin mr head please sit down it was important that we talk to you about your personal health this skirt is unforgiving if i sit down pin <laughs> also i have been having pain in this left right. knee ah. sitting and standing is hard if i sit down the sciatica acts up pin you have so many issues why have you not come in pin i think your many years as an archaeologist are catching up with you in world war one was he an archaeologist no, he was a soldier. He was in the military. Yeah, he was, he was a, soldier. a soldier. He was a oh. soldier in World War One. Boy, way to pay attention to the details, Erica. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't remember too in our rankings if I put this number one. I know you did, Mark. I don't know if I did. I think I might have gone. This is my number two. But watching this again, I was like, I probably should have put this as my number one. This is I think number it, one. It's this my probably favorite. is the better one than the first one. But you know, anyway, it wasn't my number one. <laughs> Right. I think your number one was Bloodlines, was it not? I thought my number one was Hellworld. Was it Bloodlines? Oh, right. you might be right. You might be right. Oh, okay. Yeah, it could be Hellworld. Boy, way to remember the details, Erica. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, when they showed Chenard, he's doing some brain surgery. I guess. What are they doing? Yeah. What, what is kind that? Of flaps were what being is that? Up on the- He's know. just experimenting because remember they do the flashback. He was ex- when he was a kid, and he was experimenting yeah. on the, like the family pet. He just he is really into grinding up brains f- for some benefit that is unclear. Imagine his um, parents were so proud of him. You know, when he was younger, he took all pet cat and lit and just ripped it apart into shreds. And now <laughs> look at him, a successful doctor. Hooray! His father's been much more supportive than I have. If he thinks he's getting another cat, he's 
fooling himself. I've already given him seven cats and he's cut every single one of them open. I won't be fooled an eighth time. I said, he's got a brain for medicine. I didn't think of getting him some treatment for a medical disorder. I said he just loves destroying pussy, but no one ever listens to me. He said, don't worry, daddy. I'll be punished eventually when I find a way into hell. And I said, that's a good lad. (laughs) Uh, And to think he hesitated. (laughs) Um, Speaking of uh, being in that hospital, what happened to Steve? Steve really took off once Kirsty was admitted to the mental hospital. He was like, uh, see ya, Kirsty. I'm not going to come up. I kind of dealt with a lot in, in movie one. I'm not going to come back here yeah. and uh, visit you. So you're on your own. Yeah. yeah or he it. had a job he, he had it. to get to. And he, he, he was all out of PTO and was like, I got to get back to work. Yeah. I, like I'm, they're going to fire me. Mm-hmm. I, I can't yeah. blame him for that. Having a strong work ethic is important. What job was he doing? Working at a I record he was store? A, he just no, didn't. I think he, he was a landscape architect. He kind of strikes oh, me as a wow. landscape architect. Holy kind shit. Of okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was an apprentice, but he was working mm, his way up mm, mm, to oh. yeah, get true. his own, true, true. His own landscape yeah. architecture company up and running. Yeah. I was actually looked up the actor who played Steve because I was like, was he just too busy? And then I was like, honestly, they didn't bring him back probably on purpose. They, they probably were just like, we don't need the extra character. No one is. No one watched this movie and said, "Where's Steve?" <laughs> well, not until I mean, now. Now, now, <laughs> yeah, all of our you. listeners are like, "That's right. a great point, Ryan. Where did Steve go?" Well, they they do mention him, but they just said they've already sent him home, and then he never returns. He's basically done. Right. He's like, mm-hmm. he's like, ooh, that family. No, thank you. I'm out. But she also doesn't really leave the hospital. So, well, she does leave the hospital to go to Chenard's house. I thought you were going to say to go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) To hell. Yes. I mean, and hell also. Another place that she goes and travels to. Right. She she goes to his house with Gorman. Yeah, with Gorman. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Gorman. That means uh, actor William Hope, who had was coming off of Aliens when he uh, did this film, and uh, does not spend very long in this film. I mean, you're not thrown when some woman comes up behind you and taps you on the shoulder when you are sneaking around someone's house, and you're like, "Oh, he oh, doesn't pick. He doesn't stranger. pick up on context clues really well." Wow, you know? dude. Yeah, that brain has yeah. all been used for doctoring. So yeah. it doesn't That's pick right. up on the other <laughs> stuff. Yeah. His Doctoring. social life is a mess, but he is a master surgeon. <laughs> Speaking of doctors, does he do any work, Dr. Chenard, or does he just study the lament configuration all day? Um, I I mean, he you see that he's doing some sort of absurd brain surgery. So he's doing some kind of work. Uh, then he's handing off the lament configuration to people that are under his care, question mark, <laughs> right, and seeing right. if they can figure it out. Uh, little does he know that it is the easiest puzzle to solve. It is the easiest and he doesn't puzzle, need, he, he seriously doesn't Sit need to. Sit down with uh, it for like a minute, you know? Right. He doesn't need to offload that to a staff. He, he's he only book smart, though, himself. guys. He's, he's not street he smart. Is. He's very right. book smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that like gets a puzzle, an actual puzzle. 
like a 5,000 piece puzzle, puts it out on the table and then gets mad at all his staff because they're not doing it quick <laughs> enough, but he's never touched right. it. Right. He probably shouldn't have started with a 5,000 piece puzzle then. That's a really intense puzzle. It isn't. It is. But, you know, that's what he he demands a lot of his staff. <laughs> the lament configuration is more like a five piece puzzle. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> That's the problem. He's always trying to solve again, a 5,000 piece. I feel like I've made this point before, but again, like <laughs> Tiffany is figuring out some fucking easy ass puzzles. Like, are, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. all she does is these puzzles, these pretty red- rudimentary easy puzzles. <laughs> like don't challenge right. her. Don't give her something too difficult. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because like the one where she puts together the picture of the bird, I'm like, I think I've seen more difficult puzzles than fucking Survivor. Like this is, that <laughs> thing was like, easy as shit. <laughs> <laughs> well and you have to start somewhere they, like starve these people and then make them run around in circles and do all those weird how do you shit know that she's not starving i never saw her eat it's once true. in this movie that's true no one eats a meal yeah. in this that is just no. that is a bummer that is a bummer yeah <laughs> maybe that's in the in the uh, man you have very low blood sugar i am so hungry <laughs> <laughs> we're not allowed to eat you mentioned that skirt is tight, so he's it's best yeah, it, it's yeah. in his best interest to not yeah. bulk Can't up to too much, you know. Yeah. If yeah. I bulk even up. look at a slice of bread, this skirt <laughs> is gonna be busted at the seams. <laughs> <laughs> Leathers <laughs> Leather is Leather's unforgiving. very unforgiving. <laughs> but seriously, I was doing a bit earlier, but how does Chenard get that mattress into his office? Like, how the hell did he get that mattress? They were talking about in the beginning with the cop, and they're like, there's this nothing in here but a dirty mattress. They're like, it's evidence. Take it. Like, what did they do with it? Where did they just, they just put it in the back alley? Like, how did he get that mattress? It should have been evidence of murders, like this house of murdering. And so... I don't know. I mean, we never see any of it, but I'm like, there's, we jumped here. We did a jump. I think it would have been great, Ryan. It's a good point that you bring this up. It would have been oh, great if you. we had spent at least do 10 lot, minutes of this movie of him tr- working with a dolly. <laughs> thank to get you. That thing thank you. And pulled out of the room. And <laughs> him walking down the street with the dolly, mm-hmm. Ma- mm-hmm. bloody mattress strapped mm-hmm. to it like it's a refrigerator. Him waiting at a stoplight for the, right. for the, to be able to cross the road. That is the, the story of Chenard that we didn't get <laughs> Everyone to Everyone looks at him. He's like, oh, I'm um, putting, this, putting this in the bin, actually. Um, not taking this home to my office. No, 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 no. <laughs> the trash cans were all full. My friend was moving. Right. So right. I said, hey, I've got an extra bin at the office. I'll throw yep. it in there. Helping a no friend move. No you know, I'm in it for the pizza. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny loves his slice. (laughs) Nothing Dr. Chenard loves more than a good slice of American English pizza. It's not blood, it's red wine. (laughs) You should see the other mattress. I would have loved that. I would have loved that. Meanwhile, like Pinhead's trying to like get on the phone with his health insurance. These are the scenes we needed. You know, yeah. these are the scenes we needed. Pinhead's Don't worry. Like, 
Can you just pull the toppings <laughs> off that pizza? I cannot have the bread. I just want the toppings. <laughs> I'd like an extra large pizza, but just take all of the toppings and scoop and scoop them off into a cup. And then toss the bread into the garbage. Wait, just let me sniff it first. <laughs> oh no, I can't sniff it. It gives I gain five pounds by sniffing. <laughs> Pinhead is just oh, always worried about weight gain. I he cannot. Mm-hmm. He is a one trick pony with that weight gain. Well, when you have a figure like that. I don't blame him. <laughs> it's, it's true. So <laughs> true. So, so true. <laughs> Tiffany, of course, another person that is new to the franchise and is not used again, which I, again, was like, why not? Uh, Imogen Borman uh, plays Tiffany and uh, somehow does not return for another one. I know that her family were not super pleased that she was in this movie. She was 16, oh, really? I think, at the time, and they were not pleased with the results. She was quite proud of it, but they were like, they were like, this movie is gross. I don't like. We this, thought so. when you joined the cast of Hellraiser Hellbound, <laughs> it was going to be an upstanding, clean, family-friendly movie. That's I never right. dreamed you would be in hell. I just never dreamed it. They told me this was going to be a Christmas movie. <laughs> when I was depositing the check into your Coogan account, I thought, wait a minute. This movie is hell in the title. I'm sure it's just about just a wild young girl and her flights of fancy. She's a real hellraiser. You know what? When I had to tell your Aunt Georgette about this movie, I had to call it Heckraiser Heckbound. All right? (laughs) She's just... (sighs) Don't bring it up at Thanksgiving. Don't don't bring it up. (sighs) (laughs) Uh, But she's brought into Chenard's office and solves a puzzle box like... uh, and brings in um, Pinhead and the other Cinnabites, as Mark mentioned, about 52, 52 minutes 52 in, minutes into the movie. Who, interestingly, don't rip her to shreds. And this is also an interesting because the movie makes this distinction. And I feel like this is also something that gets lost in further Hellraiser movies. Not three and four per se, but as you get deeper in. Um, mm-hmm. Where, like, uh, further it's sequels can take as anyone. Yeah, exactly. Anyone can open the box, no big deal. Then they just kill whomever. But like, it's got to be the mm-hmm. person that wants. It. They, they made a very distinction that they, they, they when they come in, Pinhead sees her and says, "No, no, no! It is not hands that call us. It is desire." And so that's an interesting distinction because often I think like the other movies are like whoever opens the box. That's the person that's fucked. Even the remake is sort of about that. that like when you open it, you're kind of screwed. Which and I thought so was, they, okay, that was an interesting twist that could have been explored in other sequels. Mm-hmm. Along with the entire Hellbound part that isn't introduced into any of the other sequels. All of the, yeah, everything in the, like, the, the Leviathan is never used again. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Never used again. Never reintroduced. You, I mean, that alone could have been every other sequel. For sure. What are Because they've already set up this, basically anything can be there. You can walk down the hallway and go into a memory. You can walk down the hallway and go to a really fucked up carnival. Oh my God, yeah. Seems like it's ripe for a sequel of just more people being there. Right. Nope. 
no, no, that that uh, that didn't resonate with the audience, I guess, right? Because why go back I, there? Yeah, I guess. I mean, or with the people they had make the movie, and I realized, like, especially once they start moving on with some of the other sequels, they don't have tons of money, but it's all just sets, you know, that they did. Yeah, um, at Pinewood Studios in London. So, like, but it still looks pretty darn good. It does, even when like when no, they're walking and it's a total matte painting that they're superimposed over. I mean, mm-hmm. you can see it, but it doesn't look – it's not green screen looking really fake where you can see the outline. It, like, looks pretty good, all things yeah, considered. Absolutely. And I know that they had a bigger budget for this movie, but it certainly wasn't a big budget movie. Right. They really used those effects. They used them really well. It was very effective. For mm-hmm. Sadly, I'm using effect twice in the same sentence, but <laughs> <laughs> it's – it's just a shame that that never gets revisited. And maybe that's why I like this one so much because it introduces us to a world that, again, when I first saw it, I found it t- totally fascinating. Like anything could happen here. It uh, it opens up the box of anything possibly happening mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. no other sequel bothers to go back there. And right. It also upped the ante so much higher from the first one. The first one laid the groundwork, and it was great. And I'm not saying that it isn't. But now Pinhead is just one part of this bigger world that we should have delved a lot more into. For that matter, we don't even really bring back the rest of the the Cenobites. It's only Pinhead that really kind of returns, right? Did you want to say Cenobites like we're at a Cinnabon? Mm-hmm. Is that where you were Cinnabites. going with that? Cinnabites. Cinnabites. Cinnabites are I'm good. so hungry. <laughs> Just let me lick the icing off of one Cinnabite. <laughs> <laughs> and then the chatter he goes is to like... <laughs> and he's like, Just I know, you're right. Cinnabites. I don't need it. I've worked too hard. Thank you, chatty. You are right. <laughs> Butterball, yeah. you can have them all. <laughs> so he's he's pulling up to a Cinnabon and going, is Butterball here? <laughs> uh, what? Uh, sir, this is a Cinnabon. <laughs> I, uh, I, I will go inside. He's the Cinnab- there. <laughs> uh, I thought this was where the Cinnabites rested. No, uh, sir, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> now I want Cinnabites, man. <laughs> you know what uh, smells? What smells perhaps the worst at an airport is a fucking Cinnabon. When you walk <laughs> mm. by it, you're like, God, that just it smells like manufactured sugar. I would say, yeah, that's true. But it also it's it's mixing with the smells of other places in in a airport, and so that that mix isn't a good mix. Oh, it's just terrible. It's overwhelming. Then you got to go past the Annie M's pretzel place and it smells like manufactured butter. I just. But don't you think if you're working at a Cinnabon, you're essentially a Cinnabite? Because right. think about it. You're getting right. people at their highest high or their lowest low. Mm. Like you are getting people mm. at extreme pleasure or extreme pain because they're like, hell <laughs> yeah, I'm going to treat myself. I earned this. This is my cheat day. Yes, I want a big old Cinnabon or hey, the I'm boxes traveling. that come in are very easy to open. Yep. Or you're getting somebody who's like, hey, I'm flying home from a breakup. Sure. I yeah. just don't know how I'm going to get through this flight. I need a Cinnabon. 
Yeah. Oh my god, you guys. Yeah. Is, the, is the remake and Hellraiser? Cinnabon. Hellraiser 12. Cinnabon? Cinnabon? <laughs> right. Hellibon? <laughs> we will tear your lower intestine apart. <laughs> Uh, kudos though to Kirsty um, for working this hard to find her dad. I mean, our kids walk into the house, and if they don't see me immediately, they're just like, "Guess Dad's not here." <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they're not like, "Well, where's Dad?" They don't even bother. They're just like, "He's not here," and they just go about their day like I'm not around. Like I'm, I'm in another room, guys. It's not a huge house. <laughs> and she's like, "No, I gotta find my dad, and I just gotta search through all of hell." Like, wow, that's. Holy shit. That's, Your kids that's... won't even open a door to find yeah. you. <laughs> like, I don't know. So. And they never really do reconcile her being, I guess, disappointed that she never finds him. Well, she you know, keeps... she has the confrontation with Frank. So that's kind of the end of that. Not her dad. And not her dad. Not her dad. Well, yeah. Well, that's because uh, he wouldn't come back. I believe, if I have it straight, they were supposed to be... There's at least a version where they were supposed to be combined. Like they were like joined at the arm, Frank and her dad in hell. And so they did go out to Andrew Robinson, who I believe played uh, the dad in the original. But he, the, there was nothing. There wasn't much there. Like there wasn't much. Uh, and so he was like, nah, I don't want to do it. That would have been cool if they were if they would have been bound together. Because when you see Frank set up in hell, you're like, not too shabby. Yeah, he's doing all right. He's doing all right down there. But that is also like Peter Atkins has said, like, well, for him, it was odd because he was like, what? Why did why would he be in hell? Like Frank, of course, Frank's in hell. Frank is awful. So like this would make sense. But the dad, like he didn't really do anything to deserve to go to hell. Why is he stuck down there? Yeah. You know, I kind of like a little bit that Frank is in that, you know, is in that scene and he's tricked her to come into hell to try to get her dad and you know, lures her there. But yeah, there kind of is, it's a bit of a nothing burger once it actually happens. Cause you know, cause he's got the most flammable sheets in all of hell. So it doesn't, it's kind of, right. yeah. Right. I mean, she uh. lucked out, she throws one sheet and then he, he, his whole body melts. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, there was nothing for her to believe that throwing the sheet onto the armoire would cause right. such a reaction. Have that kind of reaction. Please, she was please. like, please Frank, I would imagine soaks himself in cologne. Yeah. She knew oh, if sure. she tossed that sheet over there, it was going up like, you know. Yeah. She could no, smell. No, he was definitely covered yeah. in cologne. Yeah, he's covered in cologne. It's on the sheets. Probably she entered that room and was like, oh, Frank's here. But yes. like your kids, Ryan, she walks into one room, sees Frank, lights him on fire, and then stops looking for dad from that moment yep. forward. She's like, well, I guess he's not here. And moves on. Yeah, no no dad. Dad's yep. not here. Just Frank. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Time to move on. I think another thing, too, in this movie that I lamented <laughs> was, uh, what? What, guys? It's this. You is, didn't lament the... too hard, though, right? <laughs> no. Just... No, is that uh, there's, there's a little bit. This happens, obviously, in the next movie. But we don't see a lot of, like, people turning into Cenobites. Cin- <laughs> can only say they do sound now. delicious they sound <laughs> yummy God, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah <laughs> you know what i'm driving to the airport after this mm. after this episode i'm just gonna drive down there it's the only good place to get a cinnabon <laughs> it is 
will tear your <laughs> hunger apart. Um, <laughs> we have such seasonal flavors to show you. <laughs> Pin, Pin, are you pushing the pumpkin spice pretzels? Come on, Pin. You know he's you also have... working at Auntie Anne. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! I mean... He's doing both. He's doing. It's in the same. It's... That's his hell. He has to work in both. He works a double shift. He has to look across the food court at the Cinnabon and just be like, oh, why did they turn down my application? It should have been me. There's Butterball in there just making Cinnabons. He's like, oh, I will have my revenge. Oh, okay. He has to put Band-Aids on all the nails on his head because, you know, Nails are unsightly, Pin, so we really would like to cover that up if you wouldn't mind. He has a net. <laughs> just keeps poking through the net. A hairnet covering all the pins. Just in case any blood, we gotta keep that from getting in. Hey, nail. Uh, uh, a nail. <laughs> pin. <laughs> so they would call him that. Hey, nail head. It is Pinhead. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Pinhead. I'm sorry. I'm my, so my sorry. bad. My bad. Nailhead. Ah, oh, <laughs> Pinhead. God, I'm sorry. There are nails, though. It's not a pin. Uh, anyway, it right. doesn't matter. I just, a customer complained there was a pin in their Cinnabon. And <laughs> I'm going to have to write you up for that. You must not have had your net on. But I make pretzels. <laughs> for that is my true hell. <laughs> Thank you for showing me. He's back there flipping the dough to get this. Just swirling it. God damn it. God, you do it so well, Mr. Pin. I don't think we've ever had somebody better at making these pretzels. He's like, God, don't remind me. Hand me the butter. Oh, man, I'm oh, going to man. get this original recipe going. <laughs> what does he work at KFC? No, they have their original. Oh, they have their original, they have their original recipe. Original okay. recipe. Oh, that's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. And then they have the cinnamon. And then come on, Ryan, keep up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, you know what? Thank you guys for showing me that there might actually be something to talk about that I love. But there's definitely things to talk about that I hate it. <laughs> <sighs> okay, we're going to talk about the things we love and things we hated about Hellbound Hellraiser 2. Mark, what's something that you love? Um, I definitely, I think I've already said it, so I'll, I won't belabor it. But I loved the whole introduction of the uh, Leviathan and all the possibilities that it opened up. I love that they opened, or like kind of the first introduction was sort of that crazy carnival kind of scenario that they walk into uh that all of a sudden there's all these different hallways and each one kind of leads I, to a I different place i had forgot place. about that carnival scene that is absolutely my favorite scene because i yeah. completely forgot about that moment happening i did too to be honest with you and i was like wait what is happening but yeah, I, loved, I was like like I it, completely it just that's that is they are taking big swings and they're going for a lot of atmosphere that carnival thing has nothing to do with the with the Cenobites. Any, it has yeah, nothing to right. do with Pinhead. It has nothing to do with with the, <laughs> these delicious I mean, Cenobites. <laughs> the Cenobites are like a carnival in your uh, mouth. 
So in a way, it does tie in better. But we've brought you just... extra frosting. <laughs> that uh. is an extra fifty cents. <laughs> um, but you will like have to pay. Point... <laughs> <laughs> it is not your copay. Uh, yes, it is it what is. you pay. You, you have, have to. to pay. It, I put it on the bill. You will have to. I can't give it out for free. <laughs> Um, no, but I mean, like at one point, there's like a white clown mask that the eyes are bleeding oh, for no good reason. I know, but it's awesome. what is that? Yeah, yeah, the baby, the little just, baby with a stitched up uh, mouth, mouth. Yeah, it's that, amazing. And then that ends up at, at repeating itself. It's there at the end too. There's just so much atmosphere that they create, and well, I thought that uh, was yucky. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, sure. So I, I just, I love that. I, I loved that they took us to that world. It's just, if there's something that I hated, which oh. I know we don't typically go do this, but the thing I, I hate is it. we, never go, we never go back. We never go back. Nine, ten more fucking sequels and we never go back? Yeah. Come on. It's it's odd. It's odd that they didn't try it at least once. Like At least once. It's weird. It's weird that they never did. And- yeah. Dr. Chenard turns into a really formidable, scary Cenobite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he come back? He had a I don't like, know. that look I with, don't know. The, with the wire pulled across his face and like the the like the thing that attaches to his head. I'm yeah, like, that was yucky. This should be I, I would think that it, it, that that would have been the plan for the new pinhead. Like he's gonna now take over equally scary looking. Mm-hmm. Even with more embellishment of, you know, he's got the hands that are turned mm-hmm. to knives. He's got the, he can float around. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. never reintroduce him ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, even if you had to recast him, which you probably would have had to do. You probably would have, but why but would you not why reintroduce not? that character? Why not? Right. Yeah, I, yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Because they needed to make room for CD head, you know, like in part three. <laughs> So, you know, couldn't couldn't do bring it back. Yeah. Camera face or whatever the ones are from the third one. Right. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah. And that shot too when Julia is standing in front of him with the wires in front of her face and then it goes on to his face like that that yes. is really like it's great. Like it's awesome. I love the way that that shot. It is like disturbing and gross obviously too, but it's also like what a what a great shot! Like some yeah. really really great shots. Um, just even bringing back some of the crew, like even bringing back Robin Vision as like the DP, or bringing in some of the other people for some of the other movies would have been would have been smart. But anyway, uh, Erica, something you loved, something you hated. I I love the skin suit when yeah uh, when Julia's skin suit uh, rips off. It's just so yucky looking. Mm-hmm. It's so gross mm-hmm. and it's so great. And then it's just there, like on the ground. <laughs> it's, it's just like in a pile. It's so gross. Somehow still holding on to like the lament configuration, which has turned in, like mm-hmm. it's been shifted into that. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's it's just yucky. It's just so yucky to think about because um, she is just, just like such a pretty lady too. And like such an alluring lady and then to be like mm-hmm. that was all just like ugh. yeah i just i really like that and i think just seeing like when they show like this the skin sort of splitting it like the seams mm-hmm. i guess mm-hmm. air yep. quotes right it's just gross it's such a gross image it's like nightmarish and it's such a simple 
I don't know. I don't know how simple it was in execution, but it's such a, it's not a, a complicated idea, but it's so, mm-hmm. it just unnerves me. I just, it unnerves me. Um, so it's also what I hate because it's unnerving. And this is, I really like horror movies, but this, I mean, Hellraiser in general, but especially this one is just so gory and so gross. I don't like it because that's not just, it's just personal taste. It's not my favorite. Sure. So I, I appreciate more of the scary moments to me because a lot of this movie is just so yucky and gory that I'm like, Oh, it's kind of like turns my stomach. I don't like it. It's not my thing. That's not not what makes me afraid, Mm -hmm. but there are little things like that when you think like, Ooh, it just like makes you like, like makes your skin crawl on that, that, yeah. Um, so it's that's both what I love and hated because it's a very gory film, which is, you know, again, I'm just repeating myself. It's not my thing, but but it looks awesome and it's a scary idea. And yeah, it's for sure. And that stays with me. Like when I think about this movie and I close my eyes, I think of that. And I think of like her crumpled skin suit just there on the ground. And then they have to go back and deal with it. And then when Kirsty adorns it, like he, oh, so gross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So gross. Ryan, I am on the same boat, really, with you guys, because I am surprised, as I've said before, how quickly this franchise went away from skinless people because it is so impressive and it is so gnarly. Like Mm -hmm. it's it's like they do a great job of making it look wet and just it looks just Mm -hmm. awful. Um, The things I hate, like kissing skinless people oh. that is gross that's Even one of the grossest things your finger over the lips of a yes. skinless oh, oh my god oh, i would god. think it, it would is... hurt too right right you'd i mean be kissing you'd be like, ah, oh no too yeah, hard it's just too hard it's, ah i don't have surprising to go away from it because it is like i understand it might be a, a you know you have to have a certain amount of money in your budget to to pull off those kinds of effects but, you know, the first one was made for less than a million dollars, you know, so like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, you've, you've just got to in, invest in that and have that be. I, I just think it's such a it is one of the things I walked away from even watching it when I was younger. And um, Hellraiser was never really my one of my favorite franchises, but it's it's definitely one that's like it's effective. Like it's it's hard to forget. Mm-hmm. Like it has imagery in it. And both of the you know first two Hellraisers have have imagery in it that you're just like you're either super into it or maybe not, but either way you have to respect it and applaud it because it's just really well done filmmaking. Yeah. So weird to me that they never go back to the skinless people. I, I, you know, it's, it's hard because I don't really want to watch more movies with skinless people in it. If they looks that good or they could do even better now, I would think, but it's like, man, now don't you think it would all be CGI now? It wouldn't have the same effect because now it would, you have to do a practical other or doesn't, practical is what makes it so gross because it, to me it's thinking about like someone thought through that ew like one of the, <laughs> the grossest sequences is of course the guy cutting himself with a razor blade to bring back julia and her face like coming through the bed or whatever and mm-hmm. um which they shot in that reverse is violent that yeah. is violent and i mean that whole scene is like they had people it's, when it's they were shooting scene. it that were like they were shooting it they know they're making a movie and they were like there was a guy on the the special feature on, on the Arrow Blu-ray that we watched. Uh, we, you can buy this, by the way, on an Arrow Blu-ray. You should buy it. Otherwise, you can also see it on Tubi or Amazon Tubi, Prime, Tubi. just so you know. Um, but yeah, uh, there was a guy that said I, he had to excuse himself because the scene was just so gross. That's upsetting. 
And I watched it again. Like I watched that scene yet again. I was watching the commentaries as well. So when you when he runs the blade across, I could see at one point because the blade will have will be squirting blood onto him. Right. It's like that's where they actually have the 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 blood source. So you can even kind of see it. And at the same time, just the skin also looks so gross. Like everything about that scene is so disgusting. It's and yeah. it's like, and when she comes out and she's just like grabbing his bloody body and like trying to, it's it just, and just has to dig her hand into the back of everyone's neck. And it's really grosser than I typically even need or want, but it's also so visceral. And so it looks so good. It has a real effect on you, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, you have to, you know, you have to applaud that. Like, it's just really, really good. And I, well, and it sets a tone of like, that's how far she will go. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. anything, as far as you saw Julia go before in, in the first one, she's taking it to the whole, to the next level in two. Yeah, for sure. It's gross. Plus you're definitely going to have to wear gloves to work at the Cinnabon. If you don't have skin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you can't mm-hmm. just be touching the Cinnabites. Mm-hmm. With the with your unskinned, yeah. mm-hmm. Julia, we appreciate hands. the gauze that you have around you, but we still are going to need you to wear gloves, you know, because the gauze does get a little wet. I am allergic to latex, though, so we might have an issue here. <laughs> well, um. how how are you? You don't have skin, so technically you shouldn't be allergic to latex. Are, are, is your musculature uh, allergic to latex? Because that would be weird. Shit, I'm gonna get a doctor's note. Weird. I'm gonna get a doctor's note. I'm still gonna. You'll see. Best of luck, <laughs> Doctor Chenard is very tricky. To... <laughs> oh, already got his note. Already got his note. Oh, what? Mm-hmm. Yep. He uh, had a pen inside of one of his mutated hands and just wrote right. down. <laughs> what most of our, most of his uh, hands or his fingers turn into like long uh, snaky blades, but there's one that is a pen. Yeah, there's one that's a pen <laughs> and um, some stationery. You can still write right. out some scripts. You yeah. still got to write. <laughs> well, all so guys, those boxes still write don't out prescriptions. He's still got to write some prescriptions out. Yeah. He's the true doctor without borders. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's no, no limitations. On his other hand, he has a notary stamp because he's also a notary. <laughs> he's public, also a so. notary. You got to pick up those extra dollars. It's important. <laughs> All right, let's get That's to our a, favorite. It's a part of the movie they cut out. <laughs> yeah. He was driving around right. notarizing mm-hmm. people's documentation. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, let's get to our favorite scene. Mine was the carnival. And I loved it. So let's go to your favorite scenes, Mark. What was your favorite uh, scene? It's the same. It's the carnival. Um, okay. I absolutely love that scene. I had also forgotten about it, and I rewound it to to watch it again because I was like, this is a great scene. How did the, how did I forget this one? Um, so, yeah, favorite scene. I will also have a, 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 another category, favorite audio. Chenard's voice, once he becomes a Cenobite or whatever, his voice audio is awesome. Tiffany. I'm your doctor. I'm here to help you. It's like sort of distorted, sort of like underwater, like he's drowning. Mm. And it, it, I remember as a kid thinking it sounded amazing and it still sounds amazing. I, it's 
to me, the the most frightening, affected voice in the movie. Hmm. Mm. Erica, your favorite scene? My favorite scene is the very last scene. The moving company, and they go back oh, in. Okay. And it just, I think it's my favorite because it kind of makes me laugh. That when the second moving guy goes in and sees his colleague is just sort of like waist up. Yeah, in, mm-hmm. in disappeared the bed. Right. into the mattress, and then you know you've got the spinny piece of wood with all the yucky stuff on it, and he's just like, <laughs> yes, he's just like, Poof. <laughs> he's, like he's just like, oh boy, oh this is. I said I was gonna have to move this telephone pole and this gross mattress, so. Uh, that's it like how does it end is he done does he just walk is that the final straw is he like you know what <laughs> enough you know is what enough. i thought being working for a moving company was going to be easy i thought setting my own hours being my own boss oh god and then you walk into this he said this room was filled with baseball paraphernalia <laughs> <laughs> but apparently not. <laughs> oh. uh, let's go into our final questions. These are final questions for Hellbound Hellraiser Two. Speaking of Chenard, what uh, what killed him? Was it bad aim? Ah, uh, you mean when he got his fingies stuck in the floor and couldn't <laughs> yeah, pull them right. out? Right. Which is a little bit weak given that's, everything that's, that he's done up to there. that point. Yeah, yeah, that's his end. He does take out all the the Cenobites and the Cenobites. Um, <laughs> you didn't see that, but... <laughs> Maybe then it was probably heart disease that killed him. Mm. Mm. Could have been. That's a good call. Too many Cenobites. Could have been. Tony, so we don't know what took him out. <laughs> I don't think he's out, though. It just felt like he was a Well, he got his like, head ripped off. Yeah, yeah, but that's not always a deal breaker in hell. That's not always the end of things in hell. That's fair. That is. He was probably just boxed up and shelved. Uh, Tony Randall said in his in the commentary that he's not a big fan of that scene when Frank returns. I believe it's because uh, I mean, like I said, this is I think was she's supposed to confront her dad, and so now it's just her confronting Frank, and he feels like it really slows down the pace of the movie. But what do you think? Mm, I think it's an interesting setup, but I kind of I have to agree. It it's sort of a nothing burger in the end. Like she sees him, realizes that he's the one that wrote the the bloody message. But then she just by dumb luck throws a sheet onto the that armoire and sure, it sure. catches on fire and he burns up and you're like, Well, we kind of spent five minutes accomplishing nothing. And sure, except for sure. her ability to somehow magically know how to kill somebody. Yeah, I feel I, like this probably could have had something more. He could have done something a little bit more dire since he was luring her into hell, thinking that she was going to save her dad. And you never really got his plan. What was he going right. to do? What was he going to do? Sure. Yeah. Sure. That would have I liked it. Even, even that. Oh. I oh, actually liked never it. Never mind. I thought, okay. like, oh, fucking joke's on you, Kirsty. It wasn't your dad after all. It was Frank. It's your dad. Shit, he might be alive. Who knows? He just skirted you. Yeah, you but, don't know where he is now. But like our children, Erica, they were like, I'm good. I ran into Uncle Frank. Yeah. Good enough. No, Mission I like that though. I like that she has to deal with the fact that she's not going to find him. She, where she thought it's, I think my only beef with it is they, I think they could have 
had it be a little heavier on her because she has literally gone to hell right. to find yeah. her father yeah, yeah. only to find out she was tricked right. by yep. Frank. And she seems to like reconcile that pretty quickly of like, oh, yes. Frank, I think that's a pretty big deal. You came such to a hell Frank move and, and you're not going to find your dad down here. It was Frank. He was tricking you. And I think for right. him, he just wanted to lure her down there because he's just a creep. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, 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 I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of between both of you guys. I actually really like it because especially considering it's really the only arc they give Kirsty at all is yeah. that she's going to try to go find her dad. So if she didn't find anything like then, yeah. I mean, I suppose you could cut the scene and then you just think later when you leave the theater, you're like, but what about her dad? Did she give up on that? Like, right. you know, she had to find something. You had to have something to sort of just like tie that up a little bit. Mm. But I do think there could have been more that they could have done yeah. with Frank. Certainly. Sure. I mean, yes. What was he planning to do once he had her? Like he could have just said something quite frankly, it could have been a line. And then she still throws the sheet and burns him up and whatever. Mm-hmm. It ends just, up you know, more like a cameo. Yeah. Yeah. Then yeah, right. like totally. weighted thing, which is like, right. it just would have needed a moment of realization or him even just saying like, got ya, which is the lamest. Sure. Sure. Glad it wasn't that, but well, he's just <laughs> snacking on some Cinnabites. <laughs> got ya. You can't even tell the difference between my bloody handwriting and your dad's. You dumb bee. Like, but something just to be like, yeah. This was for not. You're now in peril. For right. what? You're not even going to find your dad down here. But he's also yeah. just reinforces that he's only a level one baddie. Like you can take him right. out easily. Right. He is not yeah. the big yeah. boss. True. That's Julia. Mm-hmm. It, he's a level one baddie. You throw yep. a sheet on a flame, he's done. And he's like, wah, 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 like he's over. <laughs> right, right. But if this was a video game, you would have had to, uh, you would have had to go on the internet and search. Oh, you have to throw a sheet on the armoire. Really? That's right. how you beat this one? That's oh, how you right. kill him. I okay. know. It's weird. All I know. Right. It's, it's weird, weird, but it's true. It's true. <laughs> it works. Um, Because Pinhead was so popular in part one, and, and it's interesting that he is given sort of this very sympathetic and sort of sad backstory, you know? Yep. But like, it's, I kind of felt like, should we still have had maybe a bit more Pinhead? Yeah, for sure. Um, Were you lacking in Pinhead? Yeah, always. Oh, okay. To me, no, because I think Julia and Dr. Chenard, they were scarier and they were more interesting to watch than anything Pinhead was going to do. In fact, one of the things Mm. that makes the sequels, the further sequels, I think so challenging is it's never really clear what Pinhead's going to do. And so you're not really sure what to be scared of. He's got one thing he's doing, which is dispensing pleasure and pain. Like, that's his one thing, right? Yeah, but based upon what parameters, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I, I just think sometimes you don't really understand his motivation and you don't understand where he's going to take it. So it doesn't make him that interesting. Sometimes I I don't know my own motivation. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. So, Tell me about it, Mark. There's been many times when I look in the mirror and I don't know who I see staring <laughs> back at me. Those were the true dark times. You had such a future in front of you. All of hell at your feet. <laughs> Can I interest right. you in a pumpkin spice pretzel glaze? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, now that you put it that way, Mr. Head, yeah, sure. sure. It's pin, please. Mr. Head was my father. <laughs> 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 
Uh, well, let's oh. get into some research. Um, well, wait, this hold is... on. Before we oh, do, okay. we need to talk about our Hellbound Hellraiser roommates. Uh, oh, okay. You're, gonna, okay. you're moving into a studio apartment, and you've got to pick a roommate from Hellbound Hellraiser 2. So I picked three for you. Oh, i give you three to choose from. We've got some pros and cons for each. Choose wisely. The first option is Dr. Chenard. Mm. What do we have going for him? He's a doctor, mm. and he has a natural sense of curiosity. That guy uh-huh. is perpetually curious. I mean, he goes to hell because he wants to understand the pleasure and pain mm-hmm. of hell, right? Mm-hmm. So that curiosity He's going to give you a lot so- of um, wall space if you want to put up lots of posters. He's not, he's not yeah. going to be too busy. He's not going to take up a lot of wall you space. Know. And because he has – he's. He's a doctor and he's naturally curious. He's going to be really good in an escape room. If you guys like go with your friends to an escape room, he's mm, going to help you get out. On that out. night. But, on that one night, but, he'll be very useful. Right. He'll be super useful. But he's also a psychopath. The second option is Kyle. Uh, you know, he's also a doctor and he's a super nice guy. But sure. as we've talked about, he's kind of dumb. So yeah, just no moving in yeah. with him. He's going to forget to pay the cable bill. You yep. got to know that. Yep. So you're going to yep. have to be on him. You're going to have to keep a little extra cash in the uh, in the bank account so you can cover his right. mistakes. And you're going to have to keep reminding him. Going to have to put that sticky note on the fridge. Hey, Kyle, did you pay the cable bill? Mm-hmm. So just know that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Third option, the female Cenobite. She's got hmm. great fashion sense. Sure. She's going to be a real conversation starter at any party. Mm-hmm. But she also has... Has to sleep with a very loud, very noisy CPAP machine, which is going to mm. keep you up at night. Mm-hmm. So you've got to yeah. work mm-hmm. through that. Mm-hmm. So there yeah. are your options. You got Dr. Chenard, Kyle, and the female Cenobite. Which one are you signing a lease with? Erica? For me, it's easy. It's female Cenobite. I'll sleep through that CPAP. Mm-hmm. It's not going to bother mm-hmm. me. It's not going to bother it's, me. It's going to be a lot of... All night. I mean, really yeah. loud. It's fine. And yeah. you're gonna you're gonna do her a solid because you're good at nicknames, and you're gonna give her a name real quick because just being called female Cinnabite is a real. That's that was some shit right oh, she's there. She's already Lady Bite, Lady C. <laughs> Lady Bite, la- see you Lady already. Bite, yeah, Lady boom. C. She's I got mean, a name. Cinny. Yeah. Uh, we're already. Yeah, we're locked. So in. many nicknames. Yeah. Cinny Pap. Yeah, Cinny Pap. <laughs> City Bites. Papillon. Yeah, Papillon. Oh, my God. Even her nicknames have nicknames. Just so many nicknames. Yeah. You just yeah. build, build on top. Uh-huh. Nicknames on top of names. I'm going to go with uh, Kyle. Uh, I'm, I'm, I can deal with a roommate who's a little dumb, just a little. You got to remind him about stuff. But he's but remember, sure you're can. gonna <laughs> yeah, you yeah. sure can. Boy, but remember, can Ryan, you. you're gonna go to turn, you're gonna go to watch that Laker game and realize that the cable bill has not been paid. They right. turned it off. No, I know. And then there'll gonna... be there'll be definitely some times where you're like, oh, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle. <laughs> but ultimately, he is a doctor, so he has the money. It's just a matter yeah. of him remembering to pay. You yeah. know, it's those things that are gonna be difficult. It isn't gonna be like, oh, I didn't pay because I also just don't have any money. Like, I mean, he's a doctor after mm-hmm. all. So I'm going to just go uh, yeah. with like, it's going to be tricky because he's a dumb dumb. But uh, that, uh, you know, I know, I know that. I know that going in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not going to keep me up late and he's not going to creep me out like Chenard <laughs> would. Chenard just got 
vibes. So I'm like, nope, I don't want to be around that. Yeah. You know, Kyle's never going to get what... you out of, that, out of that escape room, though, ever. No, you no, got no, it. No, 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 you, no. You are holding up you. both ends of the couch. I'm going to try one. to not tell Kyle about that escape room night when yeah. he's like, where are you going? <laughs> oh, I'm going to go to my friends to do. Um, it's just D&D out. night. We're going to go do that. Out. <laughs> No, right. no, I don't want to even do. I right. don't even want to give him D and D. He'd be like, "Oh, really? No, 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 no. I can't have you. I'll bring my D and D cards, bro. That's not. Yeah, how it that's works. not how it that's works at all. Works. That's not how it works. Oh, I was thinking of Magic: The Gathering, but it's the same thing, right? No, oh, no, my tongue, Kyle. no, 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 oh, no, no. Kyle, I'm just gonna say good night, no. and we'll talk tomorrow, okay? Mm-hmm. Because Kyle, remember to lock much. the front door. Remember to lock the front door, Oh, Kyle. dude, I got it. I definitely got it. I go, I got Kyle. it. Bro, I got oh, it. I meant to tell Kyle, you. Kyle, did, did you lock you the front call, door? Did you want yeah, me to call dude. an L-O-C-H locksmith? Because yeah. a lock is sticking. <laughs> yeah, I just dude. Can't. Hey, I totally got your note. I walked down to the lock. I threw fucking rocks into it. One of them made a super cool sound. It was like a big plop. Yeah. And then I go walk back in the house and uh, fell asleep. <laughs> But you left the front door open again, Kyle. Oh, dude! Oh, I thought you were talking about the lock, bro. You're so you're so strict about that door. Yeah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, here's here's some research for uh, Hellbound Hellraiser two. Bigger budget than the first one. However, after the Wall Street crash of 1987, the budget was cut by 20 percent because they were taking advantage of a. Uh, a, a stronger dollar, at least at the time. It was not as mm-hmm. strong as when they did the first Hellraiser. But so the figure I've read for the budget was $4 million, which is certainly up from just under a million dollars for the original movie. But with a budget cut, did they actually have $4 million? Did it go down to three and a half? Or I don't know. I'm not 100%. But the film was shot, according to Tony Randall on the commentary, he said they started shooting a month after the crash which would make it around November 1987. However, according to the AFI and literally any other source that I found, they were saying it shot more around January of 1988, which really is still kind of amazing that, uh, you know, the Corman era, they would shoot like in January of a, of a year and the movie would be out in May, which is just like right, seems right. ludicrous in these times when you're like, you shoot a well, movie. Well, they had to save the it movie. for the holidays because it was a holiday right, feature. Right. Uh, speaking of that, it, it's released Jan- December 23rd, 1988, which, as we all know, is a very strange date to go with. Uh, it's, it was strange to Tony Randall and Peter Atkins when we talked about it. I'm sure they didn't feel mm-hmm. good about it. To be fair to New World, though, they had intended it to be released earlier. It was supposed to, I think, be released in November, but they ran into trouble because of the ratings. Clive Barker told the News Tribune in October 1988, we've been rated X five times now, he said, Hmm. adding that in order to get an R rating, they had to cut a minute and a half out of the film. Uh, And a piece from the L.A. Times from December 1988. God, how gross was that minute and a half that they had to cut out? (laughs) Well, here's the thing. We've seen it. That's the thing. Yeah, You you saw it in the versions you've seen. You've seen it. Oh, um, can be- I unsee it? Be- Is there a world in which <laughs> I can unsee it? In the LA Times from December 1988, twice rated X, the picture was deemed, quote, basically too relentless and intense from beginning to end, said New World Marketing President Bob Sharon, who insists gore fiends will not be disappointed by the new cut. Trimmed, the decapitation of a monster, 
a bloody resurrection sequence. Few razor cuts now shown. That's, of course, the big scene you would think they'd take a lot of cuts out of. And a scene spotlighting cannibalism, which I'm not sure what that was for. Because Tony said that in the commentary that really most versions are now, because when it was released on video, it was released in um, the theatrical cut and an unrated cut. And most of the versions that have gone from there have all basically taken the unrated cut. And that has sort of supplanted and become the, the, the usual cut you get in subsequent DVD, Blu-ray releases. That's basically what everybody uh, has seen. Um, now, was Clive Barker nervous about uh, the movie being released near Christmas? Yes. Uh, he said, he, I got a quote where he says, he was worried about Hellbell releasing, quote, when there's an excess of Julie Andrews on television. Um, he was nervous about releasing around that time. Is he talking about Victor Victoria? We don't know, but uh, it was still nervous for him. So how did Hellbound do at the box office? Well, by December 28th, 1988, according to the uh, Exhibitor Relations Co., the top 10 movies, Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, made it at number eight in the top 10. Mm-hmm earning $3.19 million at the box office. That's above Tequila Sunrise in its fourth week of release. <laughs> Just behind Oliver and Company from Disney, which was in its sixth mo- six, uh, week in release. Um, Working Girl comes out the same weekend from 20th Century Fox, and that it makes $4.7 million. So did a little bit better than them. Um, Twins, though... Still number one in third, its third week of release. I mean, I mean, the tough, venerable tough appeal to, of twins. I am Scrooge at number six, Mark. So Ugh. that's, that, that, that's exactly. a convince me episode waiting to be recorded. There. Oh, okay. Very good. Very good. Uh, maybe not exactly what New World was hoping for, but as t- Tony Randall actually told us, Hellbound continued to make money at the box office. It still made, hung on, made some more money. It actually ultimately ends up earning um, $12 million, according to Box Office Mojo. Um, but Randall said that it had the sort of uh, perception of a failure, which was the disappointment because, of course, they put it out at Christmas. Terrible timing. Mm-hmm. And it yep. didn't do great because even if even though it's a good movie, I mean, it's terrible timing to put it out. Uh, sure. At that point. So. Of course, it does hit video April 8, 1989, at the low price of $89.95 a tape. Worth every penny. By April 21st, just a couple weeks later, it was number 17 on the Billboard video rental chart. Just behind Bat 2-1. <laughs> no kidding. And above above Young Guns. Oh, good. Well, if you, if you bought that for $89.99, you got Hellbound Hellraiser 2 and... A year-long twenty percent discount at Cinnabon, so that really helped. Mm. Kind of, oh, that is peak everyone. What a good tie-in! What a great tie-in! It's a great tie-in. I mean, it wasn't like tying it in with Black Angus, like some of the other (laughs) movies we've talked about, but it still seemed to work. Oh my god! Yes, (laughs) Warlock too. Yeah. How I looked, I did a search and I couldn't find anything. Oh, me too. I I've 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 made many searches trying to figure out what the heck was Black Angus doing. One day we'll figure it out. It'll happen. As far as a Hellraiser 3, there was already discussions about a third Hellraiser. In fact, it's in the press release. They are already talking about a third uh, Hellraiser. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and, of course, it states in the in the, in the the press release that Atkins was already, quote, thinking 
end quote, about another one. Um, but Barker told the Dayton Daily News in December 1988 that the third movie would be, quote, in which the Cenobites start a kind of brothel, says Barker, kind of best little whorehouse in hell. Okay. At the time, Barker was going to write and direct the third Hellraiser. Um, on the director's side, that might have been true. But uh, as Randall actually said in another issue of Cine Fantastique, he said that he wasn't interested in directing a third Hellraiser. He was like, I kind of did it. You know, I feel like I've done it. I purged that. I'm going to move on. On the writer's side, though, uh, Atkins was already, he'd already been approached about a third Hellraiser before Hellbound was even shooting. And they went through many permutations. You know, when we talked to Peter and Tony Randall, he told us about an article that he wrote about the making of Hellraiser 3, which is called Building the Beast in Stages, which I highly recommend looking up, Google it. Read it. It's very, it's it's very detailed. It. Um, so I won't go into all of those things, but I will add just the version that New World almost made, which is the brothel idea, actually. Hmm. To quote Mr. Atkins, he says, it involved a fallen priest turned whoremonger using a particularly elaborate and terminal brothel to resurrect Pinhead, who, of course, destroyed his savior. I mean, we're bringing Pinhead back. That makes sense. And took over the business. Also in there was the 200-year-old undead creator of the box, Philip Lemonchand, getting which we do meet uh, the predecessor in um, Bloodline, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting his jollies from orchestrating long-distance deaths by means of a mystical link between a box and the bordello itself. Mm. So New World bought this idea. Uh, as Peter told us, they started making it. Mike Plug, who was a Marvel comic book artist in the 1970s, he started designing sets and doing concept art. Bob Keen, who did the effects for the first two Hellraiser movies, he started making effects. And then New World died. <laughs> the Wall Street crash finally took its toll. Um, a story we'll get into another day. Uh, we'll, yep. we'll talk about all that. But New World's Hellraiser 3 that they were going to make, which is not the New World 3 that eventually got made, but this was the version that New World said, yes, let's do that. And we'll never see it because it died mm. on the vine because New World itself got sold off and uh, stopped making movies. Now, at the time, uh, Atkins and Randall, and they s- briefly mentioned this in our interview with them, but they were still working together and they were actually working on several. They worked on several other movies after this, but they had a project they're working on, which, again, I'm trying to find more information about, much like Black Angus and warlock 2 but they were working on a movie called alcatraz 2000 which is a science fiction film that apparently would not take place on actual alcatraz and i believe they said when we interviewed them that this was a movie that was somebody else's that they just ended up they took over and they were going to make Mm -hmm. and essentially uh, i think tony tells a story about how they were talking to the this young executive who was like this is so exciting. We're going to make this. And they were going, I don't think this company's going to stick around. <laughs> and they don't end up making it and they don't end up taking it anywhere else. But I am still very curious what Alcatraz 2000 was going to be. I would venture to guess it has something to do with Alcatraz and the year 2000. Just to, <laughs> Alcatraz just a of the future? Just a hunch. I mean, hmm. What would give just, you that idea, Mark? I, you know. <laughs> Unlike Kyle, I'm able to pick up on some context clues. <laughs> Still not great in an escape room, right. though. Just letting everyone Still, know that. Yeah, yeah. Both, both of you are no good in an escape room. Yeah. 
<laughs> You're just like over in the corner, just like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm no help, guys. I'm. A, hold on. You have that almost correct. I'm in a corner saying, I don't know, and getting every minute angrier that we're still in the escape room. <laughs> but that is it. That is Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, and the wow. end of December. Ah, what a great month. We hope you've enjoyed this month. We hope you enjoy your holidays. This is coming out right around the holidays. And uh, all we can say is we'll be taking a small break and we will see you in the new year. So we hope you enjoy your new year and your holidays. Enjoy this episode and go back and listen to our other December selections. You can find them all at our website, newworldpicturespodcast.com. You can find uh, articles there, all of our episodes. You can find our T-shirts there. Buy a t-shirt. We don't have a Patreon, but what you can do is buy a t-shirt or a one of the many t-shirt designs we have. You can turn that into a fun decorative pillow that you can have at your home. <laughs> you can put it on your bloody mattress that you sleep on every night. Nobody better touch my New World Pictures podcast pillow. I'm serious. Keep no your one, dirty hands keep off of Keep your it. dirty hands off my pillow. It's where I put my head. <laughs> but we hope you have a great rest of your year. We'll see you in the new year. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.